Welcome back, everyone, to episode 11 of No Wristbands We Drink for Free. You got Mark Juiner and Papa Novak here, and we will be chatting with Donnie Biggins today. Donnie is the owner of Lincoln Park music venue Golden Dagger and has spent many years booking shows around Chicago at clubs like Subterranean, Beat Kitchen, and Lincoln Hall, as well as Fitzgerald's in Berwyn. We talk about all of that, plus musical things that make Chicago great. Here we go. Uh, we are joined today with uh, by Donnie Biggins, who is a uh, a man of many pursuits and interests here in Chicago. How are you doing today, Donnie? Good. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I, for sure. Uh, glad to be here. <laughs> Virtually. We love yes. it. Uh, so you may know Donnie from various musical ventures he's involved with. He does music on his own. He's in the Shams Band. Uh, he books for Fitzgerald's and he owns... The Golden Dagger, formerly known as the Tonic Room. So uh, a wide variety of interests and pursuits that I'm excited to dive in with you today. Yeah. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, I I should start off this meeting. I guess I could have uh, prepped you a little bit better, but I have recently left Fitzgerald's. Yes. Um, yeah, so yeah. A few, a few weeks ago, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm in a bit of a transition period that I'm more than happy to talk about, though. Yeah, so. absolutely. Let's, let's do it. Let's yeah. jump on in. Well, why, why don't you start with, uh, you know, your background of how you got into music? I mean, uh, uh, you know, obviously you've done a lot of things, as Mark said, but uh, how did you get started? Yeah, so, um, you know, growing up, I was always a big music fan. Um, kind of a, I was just talking to a friend of mine about how, I used to tape, I would tape the top nine at nine on B96 uh, every night on, on my boom box and sit there like next to my kitchen table, do my homework. And then I'd be taping and recording. And, you know, my goal was always to not only memorize all of those songs, but, you know, that I would could come to school and be prepared to get the top nine at nine correct um, with, you know, with my friends in grade school. And, uh, to, to be the coolest kind of, kid at school. It was like an obsessive thing, of, <laughs> uh, you know, like uh, wanting just, I don't know. It was like a, a con music has been a constant in my life. And um, when I got into high school, um, I started to hang out with a lot more uh, like just artists and musicians that I met. Um, I went to a, a private grade school. So once I, I went to Oak Park and River Forest, I had just like an eye-opening experience of all these, um, you know, different types of uh, culture and, and friends and uh, things that I w- was never exposed to. And, and music was really an outlet for me um, to help find my way throughout high school and, and make new friends. and. Um, so I, I kind of got involved with like, uh, you know, some of that uh, high school music uh, scene and um, took that into college. And, and college was where I really started to uh, basically work on songwriting and, and uh, performance. And, uh, and post-college, I, I came home and reconnected uh, with some old friends and, and some friends that I maintained. And and that's uh, the Shams. Uh, we started the Shams band. Um, so we're all high school buddies. Um, nice. And 
and we kind of entered this uh, Chicago music scene around like 2009 um, in Logan Square, which was, you know, kind of a a pre, you know, it wasn't it wasn't what it is today. Um, <laughs> Just a little bit different, right? It, mm-hmm. it, it was, yeah, and it, it was being gentrified during that time, but it, it was, you know, there weren't um, the same clubs and and restaurants and all that all that all that jazz going on. Um, but but we were we were in it and, and, um, very active in that, uh, in that music, uh, scene of Chicago and, you know, during that time. And that, that was really when, um, I was learning the ropes of how to get my own band booked into different rooms and different clubs and what it took to, um, you know, have a good turnout and, uh, and work hard on promotion for a concert. Um, and as I got better at that, people started to ask me to help them more. Um, and, you know, while I was doing that, I was using my, uh, my teaching degree uh, to be a substitute. So I had a very kind of a loose, a loose uh, day, daytime job mm-hmm. um, where I could uh, stay out till three in the morning at concerts and not have to actually show up to work if I didn't want to go to work. Uh, it was very... <laughs> It was very convenient um, for the lifestyle I was I was choosing to uh, lead at that age. But uh, nice, yeah. So uh, when you said, and I apologize for cutting you off, but when you were talking about getting involved with with booking, uh, how did how did that come to be? Like, what? How did you did you have different approaches for approaching different clubs? Like, how did that work out? Um, yeah, it, it's funny. Like, I don't know if I could find this email anymore but i've had a few email changes over the years but i remember sending you know my first uh attempt to book at shuba's uh to matt rusin's around that time and i probably sent them you know like just paragraphs of (laughs) bullshit that uh no one no one in my position today would ever want to read uh-huh. <laughs> um, you know, it, it looked like a real, a real desperate sales pitch of, uh, just blabber and, yeah. uh, very you, professional. You know, I probably, yeah. I probably wrote it thinking like, he, he definitely needs to know all this. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Love it. Um, and you know, and, uh, and I don't know if I got a response to that email or not. Um, but there were a few rooms that gave, gave me a chance. One of them, um, was uh, subterranean and beat kitchen and uh and we you know we put on good shows and um we we were also the shams were part of this collective early on called the chicago roots collective and uh it was an organizing group of 10 uh chicago bands and we would meet at our house um once a month and we would basically network and share also, this is predated like social media, mm-hmm. uh, Facebook groups, any, any, we weren't even using social media to really promote at this time yet. And um, so it was very much word of mouth and texts and email chains and stuff. But either way, um, so the Chicago Roots Collective would come and meet at our, at our house and uh, we would basically just share information about issues that we were having in the scene. Um, 
success stories of getting things booked and, and, uh, and, you know, and, and how we were working to get people out to the show and that group itself um, would coordinate. So we would, we would take four of the 10 bands, we'd put them all on the bill and then all 10 Mm -hmm. of all 10 of us would, would promote that event. Nice. Um, And so we would have, you know, when you get 10 bands together, you're almost around 50 or so people, mm-hmm. um, you know, and you get 50 people to bring five people, you're looking at over 200 people coming out to a concert. Yeah. Um, and so we, we were using that format a lot and we were putting on uh, really successful events around the city. Um, and that, you know, I was kind of one of the leaders in that group and I would end up being the one communicating to the venues to give them the pitch. Um, and it was right around then that Lincoln hall also opened and, um, and, and Lincoln hall gave me an opportunity to, uh, book a Tuesday night, one Tuesday a month, the hardest night of the week Mm -hmm. uh, (laughs) to book a 500 person club. Um, and, you know, we did it and we agreed to it and the shows were great. Um, you know, there might've been a few, uh, dinkers in there, but overall (laughs) they were, they were really, really, uh, well attended and, Mm -hmm. and good, uh, good concerts, uh, that featured a a bunch of different Chicago acts during that time. So, um, that's awesome. So, yeah. And we'll get to it a little bit further down the line, but you also have done something kind of similar with harmonica Duncorp, right? So what is, is so important to you about like bringing that community together? And for those who don't know, it's a, so correct me if I'm wrong, it's a local promoter conglomerate, right? So like you guys are all helping each Um, other with that. Yeah. And I, well, yeah, harmonica Dunn is basically what uh, became my moniker for my promoter name. Um, Okay. And and it it now it's transformed into a new company in a way um, because of the pandemic. But um, but prior to that, that was my uh, that was my promoter uh, my promoter name. So uh, the Chicago Roots Collective kind of dissolved, um, and people were just going on you know into their own lives and stuff, and we were all growing up. Um, but I saw an opportunity to basically start a career in, in doing uh, organizing bands and, and concert promotion. Um, and so that's when the harmonica done uh, business was established. That's awesome. Uh, did you, did you have like a moment that it all clicked for you and you're like, you know what? I actually do like promoting these shows or is it just like repetition? You got so many times doing it. You're like, well, I guess I could keep doing this. Yeah. I mean, it was like, it kept on being like, I wouldn't, I would do all this stuff and then I wouldn't take a cut or anything from anybody. And, and I kept working with more and more people and they'd be like, can we pay you for this? Mm -hmm. And I'd be like, no, you don't have to pay me. I don't care. And then eventually I was like, yeah, you can pay me that. Yeah. That sounds good. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I guess I am spending a lot of time, uh, doing this and like, and that was kind of a, a reality too. Uh, was that this, I don't know, it, it, it was clicking for me in terms of uh, something that I enjoyed. Um, yeah. 
And yeah, I mean, doing doing it for free means there must have been some sort of innate satisfaction in 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 doing that kind of thing. So, you know, what was it that really appealed to you? And you know, I you know, seeing other people be successful, getting shows, that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, I I think uh, it, I want to. Anytime I would go out in general, it's to see live music. Um, that's always been the case for me. Um, even before I played like in, in college or whatever, I was just always seeking music. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to be around it. Um, and so it, it just seems only natural for me to, to be involved in, in this atmosphere. Um, and, and I, uh, I was kind of like, you know, I, I got poached by sub T and beat kitchen. Um, and I was hired, uh, in 2011, I, I worked there as an assistant talent buyer and I, I didn't even know what a talent buyer was, you know, <laughs> like I didn't even know that that was like a title, um, or, you know, a job description. Mm -hmm, yeah. Uh, so that, that experience was really, uh, um, I, I learned a lot during that time. Um, and, to uh, our, our yeah sorry to our listeners out there what what does the talent mm -hmm. buyer do what's a day in the um, life a day in the life of a talent buyer is um it's all email <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of a lot of phone calls and a, a lot of emails but you are uh you are basically operating as the uh the calendar manager for a venue so you are in control of um a venue's calendar and that has a range of things that happen. Um, there are private events, there are local concerts, there are um, touring acts that come through. So there, there's kind of different avenues of, of how you organize that. And, uh, and you, you basically, you know, you're, you're, you're managing a calendar constantly. So like um, I have like, I have Google calendar just memorized in, in my brain um, <laughs> and, and dates and, and what day Thursdays are throughout the year and, and things like that. Um, but the, you know, a lot of the communication is, is back and forth with uh, artists that are interested in performing um, and also talent buyers seek out uh, mm -hmm. new talent to bring into mm -hmm. the rooms. Um, yeah, I think so. A lot of, I th a lot I think of discovery. Yeah, I think there's a lot of people that would go, oh, it'd be really cool to to book a club because um, I like these bands. But when you're having to book two or three bands a night for 30 days a month, that's got to be overwhelming. I mean, you really you got to have a lot of connections. You have to have a broad knowledge of who's out there and what's going on. I mean, that, that, that that's that's a lot of stress. Yeah, yeah, there is. Um, I, th I think at a certain point, you know, there's probably one year that I booked close to like 900 concerts. Wow. Um, just, just by myself. Holy so, cow. Wow. Um, it gets, uh, when you think about it per show at minimum, there's one person, sometimes there's four bands. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and you have to organize, uh, you know, those four people to arrive at a certain time. Right. Um, you a also lot, have a lot to, of things can go wrong. <laughs> yeah they, they, they always do, do. yeah they always yeah. do every single day yeah um even while we're talking right now i can see my 
my work Slack app on my phone is just, uh, <laughs> you know, uh-huh. so who knows what's going on. But, exactly. Um, yeah, it's got to be but something gonna, good. Like, hey, Donnie, <laughs> want to say hi? We're gonna we're gonna work it out, and yeah. it'll all work out. Um, but the uh, yeah, I mean, not only do you have to a talent buyer has to uh, communicate to those artists and get them set up for success, um, but you also have to organize the venue side. So you have to um, every everyone is reliant on the talent buyer to <laughs> fulfill the the job and and when a talent buyer is not completing their tasks it affects every single employee at a music venue um one thing uh, if uh, if you do something wrong a show gets canceled something goes wrong and a date get gets lost um you might be looking at five to nine people that are out of work for that mm-hmm. day um mm-hmm. there's uh, and that's not even including the artists that that are out of work or whatever. Um, right. But you know, so there there's the venue side and the artist side, and it all comes back to the talent buyer um, to make sure that those things happen and and are properly communicated. So you're booking sub T. How do you end up uh, back out in the burbs at Fitzgerald's? Um. So there's like one one little in between there okay. that we'll add we'll throw in there. Um, okay. My wife became pregnant, and I was still at Sub T at that time, and I was working for um, a promoter, uh, House Call Entertainment, and they worked for those venues and. Tonic Room had offered me at the same time Tonic Room had offered me basically a full-time job uh, to be their talent buyer. And, and, and the luxury of it was that I'd be able to work from home um, and take care of the baby. Mm-hmm. And so uh, my wife and I moved back close to Oak Park. Uh, we both grew up in this neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And so we moved, we moved home. I took that job. And I was, I was really in control then of my, my day-to-day schedule, um, which is what we needed at home. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it was also an opportunity for me to start to revisit uh, Bill Fitzgerald over at Fitzgerald's a lot. So I, I, I lived, you know, a mile or less than a mile away from the club there. And, uh, and it was the closest music venue to me, which meant that I was going to go there at least four or five times a week. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, so, I mean, you know, he and I, it took, it took a while for me to kind of get my foot in the, in the door there. Um, but I just kept uh, n- nagging him to hang out with me and, and talk about, you know, the scene. And, and uh, eventually he learned that I might be a, a helpful tool to have around mm-hmm. um, because I, I knew about, you know, newer bands and, and different things that could help, help the club out. And uh, so more often than not, I, I started to get more phone calls about, and we would talk about ideas. And then suddenly I'd go in there maybe once a week and we'd talk through his festival. And uh, I started helping booking the American music fest there. Um, 
And then he told me that he was ready to retire. And, uh, you know, I would be a person that he would want to take over for him. So, um, so that is uh, 2017 uh, mm-hmm. is when I took over the calendars there. And at Fitzgerald's, there's a picture of us, but um, he has a physical big calendar uh, that mm-hmm. he always, uh, he didn't do the email, which yeah. is why I was, I was helpful. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. 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 He's even more old any- school. <laughs> yes. Do you ever get any emails from prospective bands and you're like, I wrote that email. Like they're cribbing your, your emails. <laughs> um, like, uh, like the similar style you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. 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 And that's like, I still get, yeah, I get those today and, and I try to just remember, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that there, there was definitely a time where I just had no idea what the right. hell was going on. That, so the bands that write you more, you're like, they got a soft spot in my heart. <laughs> you actually read that email. Yeah. Yeah. The, the persistent ones. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and, and also, especially with what you're doing at golden dagger, I mean, those are some of the kind of bands that you're going to have at, at your place. So. Yeah. And, and that is like, that's the beautiful thing about golden dagger is it is a small club and, um, and we get, we get people that are at the beginning of their careers. Mm-hmm. Um, we can really watch, uh, artists develop in that space. Um, which is like something that I, I really admire and love. Um, yeah. When I see, I, I've had bands that I've worked with um, in that, in that space that, you know, are now headlining the Vic, you know, uh, United Center Wolfpack was at Madison square garden. You know, wow. it's like watching, watching bands start from zero mm-hmm. to whatever is a really cool thing. And uh even though I wasn't able to go along on the ride with them all the time, though you want, you want to go along as far as you can, but um, it's still just like, it's just an amazing thing to see. And and that's like why, you know, that's the dream that everyone is pursuing. So Mm -hmm. um, do you ever turn down a band saying like, would love to have you, but you're actually too big for us. Like you're no. better. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So if Wilco shows up and they're like, Hey, we're, we want to play, to- uh, excuse me, golden dagger. You're like, yeah, all right, yeah. let's do it. We'll figure it out. Yeah. We're doing For an sure. acoustic set. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sounds well, good to me. If Wilco, if Wilco's playing at golden dagger, that means it's my funeral. So let's, uh, <laughs> let's not. <laughs> well then hopefully they're not playing there soon. Yeah. <laughs> So I kind of jumped uh, it ahead there, but, uh, you know, you're at Fitzgerald's, uh, and then you're deciding to do some other things. Um, um, yeah, I mean, there's all, all within that kind of timeline that I was giving you guys, I also had purchased tonic room. Um, mm-hmm. so I purchased tonic room in 2016 and then I took over Fitzgerald's in 2017. So, um, basically from 2017 to the pandemic, I was the talent buyer uh, for both those clubs. Um, And at Tonic Room, you know, we would have at minimum 350 concerts a year. Um, So, you know, you add that on top of everything I was doing at Fitzgerald's um, Mm -hmm. and and a a music festival um, 
you know, that would be a 60 to 70 bands. Um, it was and, a lot. There's a lot of work going on. Yeah. And either, either you've got somebody really good at, at the tonic room at the time taking care of things for you, or you're just ama- an amazing person who can do it all. I mean, no, I've, I've had great staff. I, I really have had uh, uh, great managers and, and a good supportive staff. Um, and that's like, I, I don't have any bar expertise in any way. Um, I, when I first bought it, I was bartending all the time. I was just there trying to, mm-hmm. you know, make every dollar I could um, for myself and um, pay off a bunch of debts and stuff. So um but, well, but, well, but we were never, you know, tonic rooms set up like Golden Dagger has uh, revamped the whole bar. You know, we have we have a whole new uh, system there that uh, didn't exist before. And 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 we actually make, you know, like delicious drinks and stuff, mm-hmm. um, not just a shot in a beer type of concert. venue. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, we're, so we're, we're, We'll get to more of what you're doing at the Golden Dagger soon, but um, you know, what were you thinking when you decided to buy a bar, and and what did your wife have to say? It's a dream, right there. <laughs> um, come home. <laughs> <laughs> have you been drinking? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes, yes, I have, and I'm on my way. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> but uh, no, it was. Uh, it kind of, you know, being a promoter, um, you always have to pay rental fees and you have to rent the space and, um, you know, and it's like, well, I want to be the person that doesn't, that is charging the person to rent the space mm-hmm. and, um, you know, just own, own the, the product that's being sold at the concert. Um, mm-hmm. so it, it's just, uh, it was kind of a convenient time for that owner. He was ready to, he was, he had been in there for about 15 years almost. So he was just kind of ready to, to get out mm-hmm. of it. And I had, I had pretty much taken over uh, all of the day-to-day operations of the space anyways. So mm-hmm. um, it, it was a nice, easy uh, transition uh, for him to get out and for me to go in. Good. Um, but, you know, uh, it's, it's been difficult. Um, you know, it wasn't a business that I knew much about and I've been learning and I, I still feel like I'm learning about it all the time. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, I mean, I, I, I did have all of these ideas that I wanted to implement and, and I think we can talk about that later when we talk about golden dagger, Mm -hmm. um, you know, those aren't, those aren't new thoughts or uh, pandemic thoughts. Those are things that I've wanted to do for Mm -hmm. a really long time and, and took advantage of the time to do that. But, um, but yeah, you know, being a bar owner, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's hard. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. I I believe. Yeah. And then, and and then you have to deal with a pandemic and then you have to deal with a fire. Um, Now, of course, those, or opportunities to make some changes and everything, but, uh, how did, you know, how did you handle all that? Yeah, I would, you know, um, starting at the pandemic phase, uh, that, that was really a, uh, a moment where it was like around, around June 
of 2020, I was out on a bike ride with an artist friend. His name's Zango the Third, and uh, he had just released a record called Rebrand Recovery, um, and it was a, a pandemic album that he made in that first few months of the pandemic, and um, it just clicked with me that it was time to implement the changes that I've wanted. Mm -hmm. um, and we were patiently waiting for the, uh, the Save Our Stages funding to go through. And granted, this was June 2020. We did not receive any of that funding until June 2021. Mm, wow. Um, so we had to last you know, my PPP funds that I was given, that was only for eight weeks. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it was not, there was no, there, like we all were desperate because we were desperate. Right. There was no, there, there was nothing for us um, for a very long, almost 16 months. Um, and so I, I really, I clung to the rebrand recovery uh, that phrase itself. And, and after we, we did one big fundraiser that we had worked on with the Chicago independent venue league, mm -hmm. and it was called civilization. Um, and we, so we filmed in tonic room and it was the end of November. And I remember I had to wait to do anything until that ended. Um, because one, I didn't want anyone to know what I was planning. Um, but the second that they loaded their gear out, it was like, I don't know, a random afternoon. I started ripping out all the staging and just demoing uh, Tonic Room. And, uh, and, and I, didn't, I didn't have a full plan of that, like of a name or a rebrand or any. I just knew that change had to happen. And the more and more I kept coming back into the space, I was just like, this isn't tonic room anymore. Mm -hmm. um, like just walking into it, I'd just be like, it looks totally different. I'm not like, this is not the space. I'm not going to retain any of what was. Um, and, and that was also when like, I had a whole long list of potential names and all this stuff that I was trying to think about and market and, um, and then I looked at a tap handle and I had forgotten that I had already created a unique name um, for our space because of the history of the space and the dagger. Mm -hmm. And we had partnered with revolution on a beer called golden dagger. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Oh, I already have the name. It's there sitting right here staring at me. Um, I don't, <laughs> nice. I don't, I can delete this notes app. Uh, uh -huh. It's all pointless. <laughs> nice. Um, so what in you was like, I need a fresh restart. Like, uh, you know, it would have been really easy. Tonic room carries some, some notoriety, right? Like people recognize the name. Why was it important to you to be like, this is fresh. This is new. We're going by golden dagger now. Yeah. I'm rethinking the concept. Um, I mean, I think that there's a, a few different things playing into that. Um, one I wasn't going to be the talent buyer anymore. And I had hired uh, Zoe. Um, I hired Zoe, like agreed to 
work uh, with them in December. And, and I, I knew that by me hiring Zoe too, that uh, they would bring in a totally different type of audience and a different, uh, you know, I, I, I didn't want to, I didn't want to be in control of the curation process anymore. Sure. Um, I wanted mm-hmm. to let that just breathe and, and invite uh, just new and, and different talent to come through the doors. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, that was a big motivator uh, to, to rebrand. And, and also that I uh, wanted to add this cafe and have daytime hours and have coffee and all this, you know, it was just, the whole business model itself was changing and mm-hmm. evolving into something new. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, you know, in a way there's a risk uh, of changing a, a name of a space that's been like that for 17 years, but, um, but it just wasn't, you know, I wasn't there for 17 years. It right. wasn't all about me. And, <laughs> sure. uh, and so yeah. it's in a way it's a selfish decision too. Mm-hmm. And it's uh it's like, this is uh golden dagger is really, a display of everything that I've been working on for the last, mm-hmm. uh, you know, 12 to 14 years in Chicago. And, uh, and we're, we're seeing it now, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, this is how long change uh, takes sometimes yep. and new ideas uh, take to uh, become whole. So right. it, it needed the Donnie Biggins stamp on it. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Is it hard for you to, to take a step back and let Zoe do those bookings? And, you know, you've, you've done it so well for so many years. Are you like have to like consciously be like, nope, don't don't helicopter in here. Um, I am a helicopter, so <laughs> I will I will admit to that. Um, but I also think that it's important for this time uh, to be mentoring and, and teaching mm-hmm. as much as I can. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm this is their first job working in, in a, in a music venue, um, like full time as a, as a talent buyer. So just like you were saying earlier, um, Tom, it's like, of course people think like, well, I love bands. Mm -hmm. I can do this job. Mm -hmm. And it's like, and I've interviewed, I've interviewed lots of people. I've had assistants. I've had people over the years come and go. Um, and, more most often they've been musicians um and what the 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 thing that they realize most is that they hate it (laughs) 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 and that they don't like they don't like the constant communication and they don't like Uh the email work and they don't like and it's a headache and it's uh yeah and so it's just like you know there's i am i am for sure micromanaging still to this day all the time um Mm -hmm. but but i like to believe that um, I, I do it in a, in a respectful way and I, I provide boundaries and space. So I'm not overwhelming people. Um, and it, it's just, a an evolution of, of what our, our mm-hmm. work relationship will be, but, um, there's just so much to teach, uh, yeah. in, in this industry too. And, and there's lots of things that, uh, Zoe and I, uh, connect on and and agree upon and and uh you know where we like activism and we like change and we like mm-hmm. progressive ideas and there's yeah. all this stuff that we want to implement um and so we're you know we're gonna do it and 
and there's no reason for us not to do what we want. So hell yeah. yeah Especially when you own the place. Sure. Yeah. Um, the, you know, you, you take a, a different direction from a lot of different clubs in, in how you approach this. And part of it is probably because, you know, you have a smaller club that's, you know, catering to newer bands and so on. But also some of it is like you, your idealism on how you think bands should be treated. Um, and um, so why don't, why don't you kind of elaborate a little bit on that? Yeah. So um, when we opened as Golden Dagger, um, once, once we were able to find out when we could have live music again, um, that was when we implemented that we were going to pay artists hundred percent of every ticket Great. sold. Um, Love that. And it is as basic as that. Uh, I own the bar. They own the stage. Mm-hmm. They're, they're here. That's their space. Uh, they're the reason why people are coming here and they deserve every single dollar that those people are paying. Um, for me to cut in on their earnings is stealing from them. Mm-hmm. And I really like wholeheartedly believe that, um, you know, I know that I have expenses to pay, but that's my responsibility and it should not be the responsibility of these artists that um, are doing everything they can to survive and create and be successful mm-hmm. in their field. And for me to dip into their pockets uh, is aggressive. And honestly, to me, it's, it's uh, theft. Um, and I just don't, I, if I can be in control of it, that's the way I want it to be. Um, and, you know, and I think also too, it's like coming out of the pandemic, um, artists were not given the same you know, yes, right. it, it took us 16 months to get this grant money, but we got it, mm-hmm. you know, and we were able to secure it. And everyone, pretty much everyone I know uh, that owns or operates a venue that was able to receive it has has received it. And because of that, everyone is okay in, in some ways. It's still very difficult, mm-hmm. but, you know, the, the, the fear of shutdown was eliminated thankfully. And like, but the artists have not gotten that. And so anything that I can do uh, personally and through my network or through my spaces to assist the artists, I'm going to do that a hundred percent. And it seems like it simplifies, it it simplifies it for everybody. And it also would simplify the negotiations for you. It's like, this is how we do it. Yeah, it is. It, it, it eliminates any of the bartering back and forth with agents, uh, <laughs> managers, whomever mm-hmm. it's, uh, how can you argue against taking all of it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. If, 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 uh, if I'm, if I'm in a, you know, part of a talent buyer, uh, negotiation with an agency, you know, they, they want a certain amount of money for something and, and they'll shop around until they get it. And so lots of times, you know, we'll come, it's, it's gambling and lots of times we'll come in and overbid on something. And then the, the turnout doesn't end up mm-hmm. in the same result that uh, was presented. And then I lose money. 
mm-hmm. um, our business loses loses money on that, and the agency wins. You know, and uh, and and to me, that's not a, a safe way to be operating right now with so much uh, up in the air that you can't take those financial risks um, and owe and lose constantly when we are all losing right now, no Mm -hmm. matter what, because we have, you know, tons of rules and things to follow and safety, everything. So it's like um, every dollar matters in terms of, uh, you know, that type of risk and offering a hundred percent of everything is legitimately uh, the, the best artist deal that you can offer an agent. So, you know, if you well, don't take it, then I don't trust you. Yeah. With the, <laughs> with, with the band getting a hundred percent, it also puts, you know, a huge incentive on them to promote the show and, and to get people out to the show because whoever yeah. shows up and pays, they get the money. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. And that, you know, and that, that's obviously a big part of it. And like, I, I see, you know, there, there's lots of things in our industry where it's like, um, you know, well, I, I'm an artist and I deserve to be paid a certain amount of money. And, um, it's not that I don't, I don't believe that, but, um, I, I do think there are different scenarios that play into it. And it's, uh, and it's definitely something that if you do work with me that you just know and learn, like, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I, I find, I find work for tons of artists in many different ways that, can guarantee them money and, and payouts and things like that. Um, and I'm, I'm always committed to that and, and, and supportive. Um, but, but this is, uh, you know, it's just like my, you know, a band shouldn't have to pay for my security guard. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. No fair. way. Can I curse <laughs> on this? Oh yeah, yeah. please yeah. fucking let it rip. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, it's like, get the fuck out of here with that. Yeah. It's like, and I remember this is stuff that used to piss me off as an artist uh, because we would, we would, you know, say there's a concert and a room cost is $400 and you're a, a local band and you're three bands and you're doing everything you can to get your foot in the door mm-hmm. and you draw 50 people and it's a ten eight dollar ticket or a ten dollar ticket. You get zero. You played for free. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like, how the hell is that fair? Mm-hmm. That isn't, you know. Yeah. Um. And so th- those are things that I learned early on, and and have been uh, battling and trying to change for a long time. And what you know, tonic room when I took over in 2012, I almost had a hundred percent of everything, but it was a hundred percent after a hundred dollars. So, you know, we, we used that to pay our our sound engineer and that's what the owner had agreed to with me. Mm -hmm. And for me, that was a victory though. um, Mm -hmm. Cause it was a big change of how it, it had worked and how everyone else was working already. So what, what was it like, having that show the first show back back quote unquote back sorry air quotes uh yeah having live shows again live music again after well once we let people go back indoors and go to shows there's so many caveats we have to throw here because we're still in the middle of covid so the first the first concert that we had at golden dagger we actually had outside on our patio Mm -hmm. um and i was resistant to do anything outside 
And here's why, because the first show that we had, it was a fiddle player and an acoustic guitar. And I still had fucking neighbors complain. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> ah. And I was, you know, we had like every seat filled on our patio, which is not mm-hmm. a lot. It was right. like 35 people sitting outside with like sweet, beautiful music mm-hmm. on a Sunday afternoon. And we still had complaints and I had to, you know, I couldn't do it again. Um, uh. But that day was a beautiful day and it felt great. And, um, and the first time we moved indoors um, was also when a mask mandate had been lifted pretty recently. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, we were as free as a bird and like everyone felt like, you know, this is it. We're, yeah. we're back. We're back. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Ah, those were the days. <laughs> but it is, you know, it just gives you the chills and the, you know, it it feels really good and and uh, you know, my first my first actual concert experience in COVID um was April 4th, 2021. Uh, no, sorry, April 4th, 2020. And that was at Fitzgerald's where we had created a this pickup truck concert mm-hmm. series. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we invited John Langford uh, to be our artist and we rented a truck and put a PA on the back of it with a generator. And I, uh, the owner will drove the truck and I followed, I followed uh, the truck on my bike with my phone, <laughs> on a, a, a hand <laughs> clamp and I filmed it live on Facebook and that was an emotional day. I will never like forget that day for the rest of my life because it really was the first time people in Oak Park and Berwyn mm-hmm. and probably anywhere just in general, that was still the time when like people weren't opening windows. They right. were afraid of the mm-hmm. air. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like we invited people to step out onto their front steps or their mm-hmm. balconies, whatever, or just open their windows. Mm-hmm. And then we just pulled up in front of their house and John, would just play and rap. Yeah. It was like, it was a really beautiful thing. And we were out there for a few hours. Um, so. And, and he's a perfect person to do something like that. Yeah. He was super entertaining and, uh, and John kind of became my Guinea pig for a bunch of different COVID, (laughs) uh, ideas. Uh, Another one was included trucks too, but it was a, we did a drive-in concert with Waco brothers and um, it was on a plot of land outside of this place, reused depot in Maywood. And, uh, and I, I drove six pickup trucks and lined them all up and that was our stage. So Mm -hmm. we, we had all the Waco brothers on the back of pickup trucks, um, you know, we sold tickets. There are 200 people. Mm-hmm. This was still, you couldn't mingle. So like yeah. people were either sitting in their cars or on their hoods and that was it. And, uh, but that was another yeah. guinea pig event for uh, John Langford and, um, and a success. And it was yeah. a great experience. Um, so, yeah. And cl- clearly all along, people have just been itching to get back to it. You know, they, they, they want to hear some music. Yeah, it's like this is this is church for a lot of people. This is their religion. This is their mm-hmm. spiritual, yep. you know. And I'm right there with it. It's like this. I I need it. Uh, you know, I I need it as a fulfillment in my yeah. life. 
Well, Donnie, one of the things that's come up in the all pretty much every episode that we've done uh, in the, talking with a wide variety of people, uh, you know, people in in bands and and people behind the scenes, is just how tight and cooperative uh, uh, and kind the people are in the Chicago music community. Um, now you're running a bar and there's lots of cool Chicago independent venues. Um, how is it amongst the cool musical bar owners, uh, uh, uh that community. I mean, you, you guys talk a lot. Do you, are you arch rivals or how's that all work? Is there a group text going on? <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I, you know, my closest, relationships are with the civil community mm-hmm. um so th- those owners and promoters that that are members there um and i i i don't feel uh competitive almost in any way a- as i had prior to mm-hmm. covid um it, it was very competitive and it, it kind of just you know for the most part this just like revealed all of our any bullshit could just it's just throw it out you know it's like mm-hmm. yeah um a phrase that we use in my household it's like what matters nothing nothing does um <laughs> just just our presence here today is all that matters today and yeah. uh and that's you know and and it is it can be a competitive uh environment for sure but you know we're we're the little we're the little person mm-hmm. and sure. uh well, and, it's certainly possible for everyone to to succeed in that business, you know. Yeah, somewhat. You know, <laughs> I think there's there's been times where it's like we got way too many of these spots, and <laughs> but it's also like I think it's just more about like it's okay to just like be closed or you know uh, you don't have to have a show up. I I don't want to say that loud because we're open seven nights a week, uh-huh. um, <laughs> but. But that's, you know, I, I feel like because in the smaller rooms, you can get away with stuff like that because it's low pressure and mm-hmm. and, and it is a beginner amateur space in some respects. So, mm-hmm. you know, you, you'll always have some type of entertainment and um, and you need, you know, we, we get so many inquiries for concerts. It's like we got to we, we need people to play on, sure. on a Tuesday. Sure. You know, yeah. Um, still have to be discerning. Yeah. And you know, the, but to talk about that community, it's like everyone is really helpful now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and if you're not, you know, whatever, I'm just not going <laughs> to yeah. talk to you. Yeah. But you don't like, get to be a part of the club. You know, right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, and it's whatever, no big deal, but I'm, I'm going to reach out to the, the folks that I know will be helpful and, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, and, and willing and, and, and we're all willing to, to provide that back to anybody. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you one last question about the, the, the golden dagger and the world you've created over there. Then we're going to segue to some Chicago questions. Well, uh, I have, okay. I have a question too. Okay. Well then yeah. Go you ahead. do yours first and I'll do mine. Oh, well, mine is. And if you don't want to talk about this, this is fine. But I know you just recently uh, celebrated two years sober. You're a bar owner. Yeah, congrats. You want to you want to elaborate all? I mean, that's a cool thing. So, yeah, I mean, it's been it's honestly taken me 
you know, I've, I've been uh, trying to achieve this goal since like a month after I accepted that job at Fitzgerald's, I was, <laughs> I was at the, although my career was doing great, um, mm-hmm. my, my struggle with addiction was not, and I was addicted to, you know, cocaine and alcohol and, um, and I, I, I don't ever mind talking about it because mm-hmm. I think it's very important yeah. to absolutely uh, to share the information with people and and to uh, let it be known that yeah tons of people have uh, problems uh, with addiction uh, with drugs and alcohol is a drug and um, and it's uh, it's so heavily pushed on all of us constantly and um, so you know how how I got to this place. Uh, you know, through sober musicians that I've, I've relied on and, and friends of mine, and, and I've gone in and out of the uh, AA programs and, um, and, you know, ultimately this, these last two years have really clicked for me because I, you know, I I was going back and forth for about three years um, and not with cocaine. Thankfully, I was able Mm to nip that in the bud and, and get it out of my life. Um, but alcohol kept re- resurfacing, um, and mainly, you know, I, I was finally just really tired of it and, uh, and I, I wanted to be just present and available to my family at any hours that they needed me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also, I was taking on tons of work and tons of things and, my responsibilities were so high that if, if I ever was picking up a drink, then I was, uh, I was letting somebody down somehow. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, lots of different motivations, but, um, the main was for, was, you know, for my own happiness and and for Mm -hmm. me to climb out of a horrible, uh, pit of life that I was Mm -hmm. in, um, internally. And, you know, how do I do it? Owning a bar? Um, (laughs) you'll notice at golden dagger, you know, we have tons of non-alcoholic options and Mm -hmm. I love coffee and, you know, caffeine is a drug, um, that I'm addicted to. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but, but it's a, but it's a safer one and, uh, it still allows me to be available to my children and family. And, uh, and, and I do just, uh, you know, we, we revamped that bar space to be more accessible mm-hmm. for, uh, to provide options for people to choose. And as a bar owner, I've learned that if you give people options, they'll take them. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I see so many uh, sober people come through those doors and they thank us for having options. And, yeah. and it, and it's, it's so easy to do it. And it's like, there is this, old mentality of that well you know if we're no one's gonna pay for this or no no one's gonna buy this shit and it's like oh no you're Mm -hmm. dead wrong and and providing that option actually increases your uh you know your options to more people to come through your doors and Mm -hmm. yeah i've seen it i've seen it even mostly with musicians that are coming through and just like i'm so happy that you have some something else Mm -hmm. besides free booze well, uh, or or coke off the gun right <laughs> yeah seriously yeah. and just yeah. yeah so 
Um, well, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think w- when you posted about your two years, you might have posted a uh, a Jason Isbell uh, album or something. Oh as, yeah, yeah, you know, sure, yeah, something yeah. more than free. Yeah, uh, and, that and, album. And, and you know, he's certainly been outspoken about it and got a, you know really helped a lot of people. So you know, you're doing the same thing. Yeah, yeah thank it, you for that. Well, yeah, yeah, you're, you're welcome. Um, yeah, he he was like a. You know, I, I don't know him. Um, I w- He liked that tweet, by the way. So maybe, yeah, nice, maybe huge get. Maybe huge we do. Get. I like to think that we were maybe thinking about each other uh, that night. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, gotta I, be. Sorry, <laughs> have to for at least yeah. a second. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, th- I think when he comes yeah, in to play ahead. the salt shed on September 23rd, he should stop by the uh, Golden Dagger in the afternoon. Yeah. Thanks, Tom. Let's yeah. let's get him over there. For a he could let's do get that a, movement a, going. Yeah, a meet and greet. Yeah, there we go. Uh, yeah. yeah, I don't uh, know what the hashtag would be, but uh, exactly. Let's see it, Jason. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or the salt shed could have asked me to open for him. That would have been nice. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. There's still I, time. They have Sh- still Shamika time. Copeland. Shamika Copeland's doing that, so that's okay. She's pretty good. Yeah. Get one more person um, on the list. The. Uh, yeah, and I guess just closing out that sobriety thing is just, um, you know, I don't know if this is for life at all. Um, I, I know that I'm happy today living this lifestyle mm-hmm. and that it's just a safer and healthier lifestyle for me. Um, and I and I just find that being honest about it is uh, that's the best way to go. Um, because if you're being honest about or dishonest about something, mm-hmm. then um, then that should question why you're doing it. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so, so I, a just, lot of people uh, should carry that message through life. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. like, why am I lying? <laughs> um, so, so that's just, you know, and, uh, yeah, that's where I'm in. I'm, I'm at today and, uh, thanks for bringing it up and awesome. I'm happy to always talk about it. Awesome. I, I think it's really admirable to do it period, but it's even more impressive to do it when everyone's at home blocked up. Right. And everyone's like giving into their inner demons. Some people that's it's making sourdough bread. Other people it's making their, their album in quarantine. Other people it's, it's giving in and drinking and, and doing mm-hmm. self-destructive things. So it's really impressive to be able to be like, yep. you know, I'm here with myself and I got to lock it down. Yeah. And that was like, you know, it, and I would be lying if I didn't say I was thinking about it a lot in those early weeks. Yeah, of quarantine. I, don't blame you. I think a lot of us were, um, and I kept on like, I kept on thinking about this, like, remember, like growing up, um, having any relatives that were in wars, you would think you would hear stories about like, well, that was when grandpa, grandpa came back from the war and, and uh, that's when he just drank. <laughs> you, would hear, you would hear stories about like oh well dad dad came back from this and that and and that's when dad just drank yeah, right and like i just kept on thinking about that moment or those moments in history and like and just using it as a motivator mm-hmm. uh thinking about i don't want my kids to think about me during covid um well <laughs> dad just drank through yeah it. yeah yeah. Like, yeah you know and i so that that was my motivation, uh, you know, to 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 not pick up anything, um, and uh, just keep that uh, 
I, I do use cannabis. I'll, I'll admit that to anybody. And, uh, but you know, I, I find it much more controllable and it helps with mm-hmm. uh, depression and anxieties. And so I'm a firm supporter of that. And, mm-hmm. uh, and it doesn't have, you know, sobriety can be defined in many different ways. Sure. And, mm-hmm. and, and my goal in my sobriety is to not be intoxicated by alcohol. Mm-hmm. So I guess, awesome. yeah, congrats. Yeah. Um, well, I'm certainly not gonna be able to top that. So we're going to jump to our Chicago questions. All right. Uh, oh, all right. Feel free to add as much or as little context and in, in answer to these sure. as you'd like, yep. but we're collecting all these, these answers. Mm-hmm. So thick versus thin crust pizza. What's your preference? Uh, definitely thin. Okay. Uh-huh. You got to go to spot. Now I live in Oak Park, so uh-huh. I have like some suburban locations here. That's um, cool. We're not there's discriminating. There's a place called Bertoli's, Bertoli's Pizza that's actually located in River Forest. Uh, it used to be called River Pizza, but they have, uh, it's like a family run pizza place that's thin crust. Mm-hmm. It comes in the paper bag, you know, it's rolled oh, yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. Yep. yeah, yeah. Real greasy. Yep. Uh, <laughs> sometimes... Sometimes you get you open and you're like, ah, who was cooking it? Who was cooking it today? You know. But then there's other times where you're like, oh yes, this is spot yeah. on. Yeah. Um, if I'm ordering in the city, you know, I'll I'll do a Pequod's or I I don't mind you know Lou Malnati's. Uh, I like mm-hmm. Lou Malnati's. Um, I'm not against deep dish. I just don't think it's like I I don't want to eat it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I want to eat. I want to eat a huge. I want to have twenty-five slices. You know, yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're a volume eater. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. So, you can't name Golden Dagger, even though we know that would be the answer. What is your your favorite venue to see a show in Chicago? Hmm. Don't cheat and say Tonic Room. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't because of the stage. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let's see. I, I think, I think I'm going to go with Chicago theater. Yeah. I saw war on um, drugs there last week. I saw now that's a big theater. Mm-hmm. So that's not fair to say in terms of a venue. Um, I like Chicago theater when I can sit down and just zone out and watch a show. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like, I like a seat at a concert. Okay. Um, so that that's my choice for a seated show. Um, if I'm thinking of overall venue production experience, this is hard. I feel like I'm going to get judged. Um, (laughs) there's no judgment here not from us anyway yeah you know Fitzgerald's honestly is to me the best sounding room but I I would argue that I I love going to Lincoln Hall Mm -hmm. Um, I think it sounds incredible in there that's a good Um, space yeah 
And I somehow always get stuck on those stairs or like right next to the stairs. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And that's not actually, that's a horrible place to be. Inside of that <laughs> I would agree with you. Because um, <laughs> you're dealing with the back and forth of people. Yep. Um, yeah. But yeah, there's a soft spot in my heart for Lincoln Hall and Shubas in terms of uh, mm-hmm. just seeing shows. And, mm-hmm. and um, I've probably seen the most concerts in those two rooms outside of my places that i've worked Mm -hmm. for so um i'm trying to think if there's any other secret type of i don't know yeah (laughs) those are all i think that's a great answer yes absolutely i love she was a great room yeah yeah um I saw Japan droids there one time. At least I think I did. I remember like most of it, not all. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Long That's time when ago. The androids came and got you. Yeah. Right. <laughs> what I remember was good. Uh, what makes Chicago a unique community? So you've spoken about like that communal feel to it. Uh, is there anything else that makes it such a unique uh, scene to you? I think like one of the, the greatest things about the Chicago artist community is that we don't have, we aren't filled with the national celebrity of um, artists. And I say that meaning like, not that our talent is not, um, shouldn't be respected nationally, but we don't have that extra attention that drives, um, that drives the uh, competitiveness and the ego. And instead what we have are people that want to, uh, help each other, um, build each other up, work together. Um, it's a very Midwest attitude, mm-hmm. I think. And it's, uh, yeah. it's less about me, 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 and more about we. And, um, and I think that that is the overall culture. And it's like, we're, we're proud of, of our scenes and we're proud when people succeed. And, and we don't, even if we are jealous, it's fine to be jealous of each other too, but it doesn't mean that you're not proud of, mm-hmm. of them and, and seeing that success. And, uh, and it always saddens me once somebody gets to a certain level and then they go off to LA or they go to New York and it's mm-hmm. like, or not, you know, a Nashville exit or whatever, but it's uh, that, that always makes me sad, but it's also like, I understand why. And, and we don't, you know, something that we don't have is we don't have the infrastructure of, of the arts in Chicago, even though we have 700 clubs here, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, that's not the real number, but it feels like it. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, those fooled. you know, we still, we should be a leader in the entertainment industry and we should mm-hmm. have more jobs and more productions and more everything. But, you know, is it, it's not just weather, you know, New York city has it. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's, that's where we have to challenge, um, you know, whoever the mayor is, we have to challenge D case and, and mm-hmm. everybody that is involved with where the funding goes in our city. Um, you know, less, I won't, I won't go off on a rant on that, but uh, <laughs> you're allowed to go for just, it if you want to. No, it's just true that we, I, I, you know, we need to, we need that, uh, that love and yeah. you know the passion that people have for the cubs we need it for yeah. our fucking artist community and we need it you know and, and we need billboards of you know we need the right. city to sell 
our art. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We don't need like that. we don't need them to sell Billy Joel at Wrigley Field. We need to sell <laughs> them on the people that and you know, I, I there's Chance and Wilco and J- Jamila Woods, but mm-hmm. people they've all exited and you know, Chance and Wilco are still here, but it's uh you know, I just named them for uh contemporary uh mm-hmm. you know, people that have stuck around. Um and and they do give back and they do great things in the community yeah. still. Um, but but there's no reason for our city not to back us. And and so I think that you know what makes us all special is really that we are there for each other and that we do support each mm-hmm. other. Um and when you're in it, once you're in the the community, it, it's very small. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. I love that. Like people helping people. That's yeah. That's the good stuff. That's yeah. what we're trying to do here. Yeah. Um. Yeah. If you if you buy records, what's your favorite record store? Um. My favorite record store is Val Valhalla's Records mm-hmm. in Oak Park. Yep. Um. So, I'm still hey. speaking more to. It's off the blue line. You can take the blue yeah, line oh yeah. uh, to, yeah. Yeah, it's to Austin. Spot. Yeah, no, that's um, a cool record store. Um, yep. So Val, you know, she passed away a few years ago, mm-hmm. but um, she used to be the type of owner where you could walk in and she would talk to you like you, you've been friends forever. Yeah. Um, and there's just so much knowledge that she used to share yeah. with people that uh, I, I would spend a lot of time with her. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's the main so thing you want from a record store. Yeah. yeah that's you know that's really my my go-to record store mm-hmm. um you know there's a lot in lincoln park that we've been shopping to at from golden dagger we do some staff uh record trips where we go out and build our library and you know that's make nice. sure that everyone that's gets awesome. to yeah they get to pick out things that they want to listen to at work um cool. so we go to like dave's dave's on clark and um the reckless records and mm-hmm. so awesome yeah that's great. Yeah, nothing worse than having to be forced to listen to music you don't want to at work. <laughs> I worked yeah. at this, this art gallery in New Orleans, and one of the CDs on rotation was like, I mean, to put them on blast, it's like Coldplay's greatest hits, right? And the the yeah. GM one day just like just snapped. He's like, I can't, I can't fucking take it anymore. <laughs> he took the CD and just frisbeed it into the street. And he's nice. like, if the owner asks, the CD broke. Yeah. <laughs> it's like whatever you say, man. Please don't hit me uh what have you been listening to lately anything good um jason isbell uh (laughs) (laughs) that's good that's good see i would say yeah uh let me make sure i pronounce her last name right joy uh yeah you can edit this right yes for (laughs) sure uh joy Oladokun, O-L-A-D-O-K-U-N. Um, she's like an indie folk artist that uh, is now, you know, on on a great path of, of huge success. But I've been listening to a lot of, of Joy lately. Um, and, you know, and I, I get stuck listening to Tom Petty so goddamn much <laughs> that I don't know what the fuck is wrong with me. Um <laughs> but i can't run it down the dream i can't get over it and um and i listen to tom petty all the time um so it's a very obsessive habit 
But do you um, have a favorite Tom Petty deep cut? I go two gunslingers myself. That that song should have been huge. Somehow it wasn't. Yeah. Um, Square One is a song off of uh, um, oh, what's the record? It's a it's an orange cover. It came out oh. like in like 20. I was in college. Uh, it came out in like 08 or 09. Um, Flirting with Time is on it. We're going to have to do a fact check here. Oh, yes. Yeah. Highway Companion. Yes. There you go. That album. Yeah, that album is full of so- songs that the radio never plays. And, uh, and I think almost every every song on there is a hit. Um, and well, then they also, couldn't after Last DJ, right? He scorched them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you know, of course, I love Wildflowers. Um, mm-hmm. And and every solo uh, solo Tom Petty record. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Somebody on this this podcast, I won't say who they are. One of the they're on their their wedding pamphlet their wedding pamphlet's great the itinerary the whatever you want to call it at their wedding was wildflowers the quiet guy mike yeah he's nodding yeah. along, he's nodding <laughs> along. Uh, yeah it's well, just that's a special album yeah um, it's so good man wish you got just, more uh, i i just admire tom petty um so much and his simplicity of songwriting is like mm-hmm. it's just what what I have always, uh, you know, tried to recreate in some of my own way, whatever. And, uh, and so it's just his style of, of, you know, simple chord progression and songs. And, um, Mm -hmm. and I, I I just love that, that simplicity and, and you put it with a band and and it's excellent. He just makes it look so easy. Yeah. My, uh, my wife went to university of Florida and obviously Tom's from Gainesville. So like, I'm always asking her, like, hey, did you go by the Tom Petty statue? She's like, she's like, they have one of those. I'm like, no, but they should. Yes, indeed. She loves that joke. You know, yeah. like the past six years, she loves every time. I talk. Uh, all right. So we've been very thankful for the time you've given us. We're gonna, yeah. We know you don't drink anymore. Do you have a favorite cheap drink? Like, doesn't have to be. It could be an NA of sorts. Mm-hmm. But if we're, you um, know, like I love Diet Coke. Diet Coke would rule the day yeah. for NAs for me. Um, I mean, it's got to be coffee. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. So golden dagger coffee. A lot of cold, yeah, we have cold brew on tap, so we batch, we we make our own cold brew, and uh, oh, wow. and we put it in in kegs, and and we we pour it right out of that tap handle, and uh, so I'm still, I'm still pulling the tap. There we handle. go. <laughs> it's just coffee, though. Nice. Um, I I might have to eventually do a decaf cold brew because I drink it so much <laughs> um, and you, you can start getting a little shaky. Uh-huh. Um, but, uh, but I, I, I like to drink a lot of, uh, I, I experiment with tons of different crafts, non-alcoholic drinks. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm drinking one right now, which is like this super sugary. It's called Look lemon quest. Lemon quest. Fish head. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, this is like a wheat, a wheat na mm-hmm. um, okay so like the the non-alcoholic options have really expanded yeah in the last five years yeah and, uh, it's not o'duels anymore 
No, old Jules, I used to joke it would be like drinking a loaf of bread. Is how it made me feel. Um, but but I'll also, you know, I'll, I'll put a little bit of so uh, bitters and soda. Um, and I know that bitters has uh, alcohol inside of it, but it is 99.9% mm-hmm. impossible of getting intoxicated. Yeah. From it. So, <laughs> yes. Uh, like yes. I nobody would ever that, want that to. Is, yeah. That is my goal uh, with my sobriety is to not become intoxicated. Yep. So um, I, I do like bitters and soda and it, it's the most common option at, at a bar that isn't mm-hmm. uh, like a Coke or something. So, mm-hmm. um, so that's usually a, a go-to bitter soda in line. Awesome. Love it. Yeah. Um, so yeah. on our way out, we always like to ask people if they'd like to plug anything, anything you want to plug right now, Donnie? Uh, golden dagger come, check it out yeah you should uh <laughs> what's your website come, come visit us come visit golden dagger uh for coffee um and come see us for a show but you know we really want to see you during the day and and we want um people to come visit us and have conversations inside of our space and and start working together and, and start creating more um but our our website is goldendagger.com. um and we are located at 2447 North Halstead in Lincoln Park. Um, if you're taking the, the trains, you can take the red line uh, to Fullerton. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it's like a, a block and a half from there. Or the brown line to Fullerton. Yeah, you yeah. can get off at the brown line too. Yeah, you're yep. right. Yeah. Yep. Um, and during rush hour, the purple line. Uh, bad joke. <laughs> bad joke. Uh, well, thank you so much for your time. Yes, uh, we really do awesome. appreciate it. It's been great. Yep. Yeah, no problem. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much for listening today. We are no wristbands. We drink for free. Music, of course, has been provided by Merlin Wall. Please check them out on Spotify or on Bandcamp. Please also subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter at no wristbands and check out our website at no wristbands.com.